Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, we were just saying that... Um, as much as we don't want the Boston Celtics to win, you know, being in Los Angeles, at least we have some playoff basketball because there was there was a moment there that the Heat had completed the sweep and eliminated the Boston Celtics. There would have been eight days without hoops, Brandon. How do you feel? At least we have some. We have a game five to look forward to, at least. Yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, now we get all the Celtics fans saying, you know, oh, at least we didn't get swept and stuff like that. My response to that is as good as the Lakers were playing, you guys were favored. The Lakers were not right. Like, that's my, my first response. As good as the Lakers masqueraded themselves as this championship contender, which I guess they were. They weren't as good as the Nuggets. Um, And, you know, the Celtics were favored. They are the two seed, not a seven seed. But it's just great to see more basketball. I wouldn't mind if the Celtics win game five because then we see game six in Miami on Saturday. Um, And I feel like that's a good way to end it. Like five days off from the NBA, not seven or nine. We would have had nine days off that would have ended yesterday, eight or nine. So, uh, you know, more basketball, the better. As long as Laker fans don't let all the all the talk get to them. Yeah, it's, um, you know, so uh, at the Lakers facility yesterday, they had the, the uh, Megxit interviews. All the players came in, talked to Rob Palinka, GM Rob Palinka, head coach Darvin Ham. And basically the um, takeaway was that the Lakers want to bring back the majority of this core group. They, they felt that post-trade uh, deadline, they had one of the best teams in the league. They feel that, you know, obviously they, they, they have to make some tweaks, that they have to make some changes, but they like the core group. The, the biggest question is the future of LeBron James. The team is hopeful that he will come back, that they don't want to push him. They don't want to, uh, you know, say anything publicly about it. Uh, uh, LeBron was not at the facility yesterday. Um, he is expected to talk to him and Polinka at some point this week. But listen, he, he deserves some uh, time off. But, uh, Brandon, when you looked at this team, you said, you know, they, they, they have to be top 11, you know, to be a contender. But, you know, listen, it'd be nice if they were top 10, top 5 defensively. Post-trade deadline, this core group, and, we'll, and I guess, listen, you've, you've done such a good job on this on uh, TikTok, and you, you may touch on this in the Sporting Tribune as well. Let's go through this team. Because uh, they all talked, and they all kind of want to come back. What does this team look like? If you're Rob Plink, if you're the GM, and you know what you can and you can't do with the cap and things like that, what does this team look like? 
Well, I think the first thing we need to uh, tell Laker fans is that the Kyrie Irving coming here is probably not the most feasible if you want to keep Reeves and Rui, just because he would have to take a pay cut to come here if Reeves and Rui get the money uh, that we all think they're going to get, that the Lakers are going to have to match. And I think depth over stars any day. I think we see that as good as Jokic uh, has been in Murray. Um, you know, the team has four other really good players. They might not have a seventh or eighth guy, but they've showed that success can happen with six really good players and Bruce Brown, KCP, um, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, and Jamal Murray. They really have no one else that can play elite basketball. Not, not even Jeff Green, def- certainly not Christian Brown. He's too young. So I think the Lakers are looking at that after they just got beat and they're like, wow, we really need like six really good players because, you know, Rui was hit or miss, but I think his development this offseason is important. Reeves, obviously, LeBron Davis. That, then who else? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Lonnie Walker was hit or miss. They really need a couple of guys. And they're going to have, they look, they have $38 million, um before they reach the luxury tax threshold. A lot of that will be allocated towards Reeves and Rui. But they should still have um, some left over. I think another big is important, whether they target Derek Lively in the draft at 17, another rim protector to let Davis play the four. Or if they go out and, you know, re-sign Tristan Thompson, who I think, had a good series. You can get him for the vet minimum, a couple of other guys. Not a great, vast free agent market, Arash. I mean, there's the big names, yeah. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, like, congratulations. That's not going to happen. The, uh, another way, uh, avenue the Lakers can improve is via trade. And it's a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade or Malik Beasley, because Malik Beasley's contract is not guaranteed. They don't have okay. to pay him that money next year. He's not going to be back, probably. They're going to find a way to move him. But there's a sign-in trade that could occur with a Malik Beasley or D'Angelo Russell and possibly perhaps the 17th overall pick, although I, I think they should keep that because they have to bridge the gap at some point getting young talent and you know also competing now because that's what most successful teams do. We saw the Warriors do it. We're seeing Denver, Denver do it. Peyton Watson hasn't played yet, but he's going to be an instrumental guy. Christian Brown, all those guys. The so Lakers sh- should prioritize at 17th overall pick, but maybe a Terry Rozier something that's not talked about. And I don't love Terry Rozier's efficiency, but he's a big time playoff performer. We saw that in the Celtics in the past. That's an avenue. I know they were talking to the Hornets um, before they made the Utah trade. Vanderbilt's going to get picked up because they need perimeter defense as abysmal as a shot was that he'll work with Chris Jett in the offseason. Remember, a lot of these guys didn't get to work with Chris Jett a whole lot. They were there right after the trade deadline in this run, I don't think Lakers fans are appreciating enough. Very miraculous. They get a whole offseason together. A lot of these guys, Vanderbilt, you know, Lon- Lonnie Walker, if they decide to bring him back. So I think Lonnie could maybe demand $10 million. I'm, I'm not for sure, but some other team might be able to pay him more. Um, and then I think, you know, Terry Rozier, maybe that doesn't work. I know we're thinking about Trey Young. I don't want Trey Young as much as I love him as a player. I don't think he fits. I think the Lakers need less. I mean, obviously they need shooters, but they need perimeter defense is extremely important because the only way they're winning a championship with LeBron and Davis as they age is perimeter defense. So you got to rely on Max Christie. I think he plays a bigger role next year. In shooting, a lot of people are like, well, they need a shooter. Okay, you can get that with the 17th overall pick too. Sign a big in free agency. But... What about Cole Swider? We saw yeah. last year, South Bay Lakers had a really good year. Um, Scotty Pippen Jr., Max Christie all had good years for the South Bay Lakers. Even Paris Bass was really good for the South Bay Lakers. Um, defensive guy, a guy, you want a guy like Patrick Beverly 
uh, Pierre Louis on the South Bay. I mean, they have guys that they're developing on the South Bay Lakers that are very good, but Cole Swider specifically, we saw him hit 50 plus threes in summer league last year. That's a guy that could play a Duncan Robinson role this next year. And I was perplexed why he didn't get a bigger opportunity this year when they desperately needed shooting down stretch runs if Russell wasn't providing that. But D'Angelo's gone. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I think obviously Laker fans want Rui and Reeves back. They're going to match any offer. I know you were there, but Palinka's adamant about keeping both of them, and I think he's yeah. going to match any offer. Um, and then LeBron, I do think he comes back. I mentioned this pre-show, Arash. You know, I think he needs foot surgery. We all know that. Um, and he's going to get it. He might not be ready by the start of the season. And I think yeah. even if he wants to take some time off and get that surgery, he can come back in December or January for a stretch run because I think the Lakers will finally have enough depth to compete without him. What is the benefit? So they don't have any cap room, but you touched on it. What they do have is the ability to sign and trade. With that said, what is the benefit to bring back a D'Angelo, a Malik, and guys like that just to have that ability to sign and trade guys? Well, I I believe I'd have to look this up again, but I believe they would have D'Angelo's bird rights um, yeah. to give him a little more money and have some flexibility in cap room when they traded for him. Now, I don't know if that stands when you because Minnesota had his bird rights. I don't know if that stands stands when you trade a guy before the deadline. I'd have to re, uh, look that up again. Either way. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is coming back because okay. he's going to make so much money. I still feel like even with an abysmal series against the Nuggets, he played well against Golden State. Sure, they could give him maybe $20 million a year. Um, I, although I don't think they, they'll they be able to even have that conversation with what D'Angelo wants. Uh, after Ruiz going to make probably 10 to $15 million a year. Reeves probably 20 plus. You know, that's yeah. kind of all your cap room that gets you into the luxury tax. I know you can back half that, uh, those salaries. And, you know, because Reeves is an undrafted guy, there's that arena's proposition or whatever that Armand brought up the other day. Well, he'll, he'll make like 36 million in three years or something crazy like that. Um, there's some rule about that. But yes, they will have probably enough to get Russell, but not what Russell wants. Now, I don't know what the market's going to be for D'Angelo, but I would widely expect somebody to give him 20 plus million dollars. Yeah. So I don't see him coming back. What they've done really well, this franchise, is they've drafted well. And when you look at the guys that they've drafted, and again, sometimes they stay with the Lakers or sometimes... They uh, package guys and they trade them for a superstar. Not only just draft well, Brandon, undrafted guys as well, like Austin Reeves, yeah. you know. So uh, they have the 17th pick. You brought up a name. Can they get a player with that pick they, that can contribute this upcoming season? Absolutely. And a lot of the guys, I'm, I'm very high on this draft class's depth. Uh, a lot of people focus on Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, rightfully so, Brandon Miller. Um, but, you know, it's a very deep draft. I like Chet Howard from Michigan, a 6'8 shooter, Clay Thompson like. They could get him if they really need perimeter shooting. Um, and he has some upside for perimeter defense as well and some shot creation. And he's just 19 years old. So, I mean, that's a guy they could look at. Jul your your boy from Vegas, Julian Strother, uh, Gonzaga. Yeah. That's yep. a guy that would fit right in. A knockdown shooter, some perimeter defense. Sure, he doesn't have the greatest shot creation, but that's a guy who can step in. He's a bit older. 
he can come in and really contribute right away. That's a guy I'm sure they'll look at. Jordan Hawkins from UConn, they would love to get at 17. A guy with elite shot creation at, you know, the three levels, especially shooting the three, he would fit in perfectly. And he could come in and fit that D'Angelo Russell role. Um, Another guy, but I don't think he's going to be there at 17. Then what do you look at upside? Do you get a guy like Gregory Jackson Jr., who didn't have a great year at South Carolina, but is 18 and has major upside? Or do you get a Derek Lively that could come in and, you know, help Anthony Davis out? Or do you not want to play a rookie? 30 plus minutes when it gets to playoff time next year. Um, and you want to go after a big via free agency or trade. Those are all options they have to consider, but there's going to be a lot of great players um, available that can contribute right away at 17 overall for them. Speaking of uh, young prospects, young players, again, a lot of injuries with the Dodgers. And that means a couple of things right now. That means players that I think every Dodgers fan was excited to see at some point they're going to see a lot sooner. And one of them happened last night. Bobby Miller makes his first start and looks ap- looked absolutely tremendous. Brandon, he's been a prospect a lot of the Dodger fans have been high on. And again, I, I think we certainly thought we would see him at some point this season, not this soon. Really, uh, just an amazing debut. First, the Dodgers starter, uh, first um you know, young Dodgers rookie starter uh, to win his Major League Baseball debut since Jose De Leon back in 2016. Your thoughts on the debut of Bobby Miller? Yeah, I couldn't be more impressed. I've been always super high on Bobby. Um, you know, we have a mutual friend. My One of my best friends, Wyatt Kleinberg, was in player development working with him on the loons in single A and told me about Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller very early that they would be stars. And he said Bobby Miller could be the best pitcher in the MLB at some point with his stuff. Wow. Um, now, he didn't have great stats in the minor leagues. You know, he got pieced a lot. It happens when you throw 100 miles an hour and, you know, you get too much of the plate. It's so easy to hit a home run if you make contact because it's, you know, it's physics. The 100-mile-per-hour pitch, you're going to hit very far if you put the barrel on it. Um, but, you know, absolutely incredible. One of the best lineups in the league. I mean, Acuna, Riley, he's facing the Braves. Olsen, Albies. I mean, there's not a there's not a – line up with tougher outs in my opinion yeah. in, in in the MLB um perhaps maybe Texas right now but I think Braves are up there and he was cruising he trusted his defense um you know I know people are like oh he only got five K's and five innings he's a big strikeout guy who cares he got outs that's all that matters that's all they wanted to see from him they put him in they put him into the fire and he adapted you know he was got into trouble in the first inning he got out of it um, you know, he kind of cruised from that point on. And I think that's uh, super important moving forward for the Dodgers. I knew at some point he would be their ace of the future. Um, but, you know, it's great to see it happen this soon. You know, because a lot of people are saying, oh, he's not going to be up till August. Well, all the injuries, now they have Stone and Miller. And Stone may take some time too, but he'll be very good. I know everyone's like, oh, Stone sucks. Like, dude, he's 24. I mean, this is his second, third start. Like, he'll be fine. MLB MLB hitters are different than double-A, triple-A hitters, you know? So it'll take time for those guys. But if they adapt, and Bobby Miller looked good right away, the Dodgers have a shot this year. They do, because those guys have the talent to take them to the promised land. It's all been about pitching for them. Before we um, head to break, this is something that's near and dear to uh, both of our hearts. I was talking to someone at USC and I wanted to get, you know, a little bit more cl- clarification, some context of what happened to Mike Bone. You know, their feeling was this was a Mike Bone problem, you know, because what I, I wanted to figure out was, 
you know, is this something within the, the department? Is it a wider problem? And they said, no, you know, this was Mike Bone a bit, a bit, a bit behaving in this matter for quite some time. Um, it wasn't accepted. But, you know, before you uh, go to the president, before you ask for an internal investigation, you, you kind of it, it can't be a one time thing. Right. And and so, you know, they um documented several occasions when when Mike Bone said things obviously he shouldn't have did things he shouldn't have um and listen Carol Fult was very quick and swift and and uh, parted ways with Mike Bone again they allowed him to resign they issued that statement on Friday uh and now Brandon this becomes the elite athletic director job even if you're a top AD at a big time school. When you look at where USC is right now and where they're positioned to be in the future, they've never been in a better position in terms of both football and basketball. It's very key. Again, it's a football school. We get that. But with the hoops program being where they're at uh, and, and obviously football returning the uh, Heisman trophy winner, Caleb Williams, um, Thoughts on USC again? When when you you lose your athletic director like that, there could be this feeling of like, what's happening there? What's happening with the program? They really felt that this was a one person problem, and now that Mike 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 Bone is gone, they can kind of move forward. Um, again, they are they are beginning the process of trying to figure out who will take over. I don't know how long that process will take, but I have no doubt whoever they 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 hire will be someone who has a ton of experience, a ton of credibility, because again, this, in my view, when you look at where they're at, Los Angeles, uh, uh, you know, where, where they're at with football, hoops, this is the job right now. Yeah, um, and I, look, it doesn't matter who's gonna come in. I think Mike Bone, as an athletic director, did an excellent job. I think that's, you know, the results say that. The Big Ten move is going to be great for the school. Obviously, now USC, the mecca of college sports. I mean, three straight beach volleyball championships. Juju Watkins at you know USC basketball. Barani Isaiah Collier at uh, USC basketball men's. Caleb Williams returning. USC has a chance to win a championship. Um, just it's just a fantastic destination, and obviously will will get a ton of interest. And I think they're just trying to find the right guy for this move to the Big Ten. Someone that's going to bring stability and. Um, you know, uh, keep keep the keep everything, you know, and what being a Trojan, you know, instills and in, in what it takes um, for the university to keep thriving. So I, I think they're going to make the right move. And I don't see this as, oh, Mike Bone's gone. Everything's going to be like, yeah. you know, going downhill. I think it'll be a pretty easy transition, whoever they bring in. I mean, that that was the one thing that I was concerned about, because I mean, it was very clear. Listen, when any time an announcement like this happens on a Friday afternoon, um, that's typically a news dump. What's happening? Uh, how big is this problem? How how big did it permeate? Uh, is this is this something that, you know, extended beyond just him into the coaches, players, whatnot? That was not the case. But um USC is really positioned right now when you look at the future of college athletics and the, 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 um, the ability for players uh, to do things on the side. And, and again, whether it's commercials, whether it's Hollywood and things like that. I mean, I mean, look at where USC is. 
I mean, Caleb Williams last season wasn't just the Heisman Trophy winner. He was in commercials during during uh, during a Sunday football game. So, I mean, uh, when you look at the recruiting that they can do and, and, and where this program is, again, it's going to be exciting to have a USC basketball program that will actually fill up the Galen Center for games that are not against USC and U of A. Those were the only two games all year that they would sell out not surprisingly, half the crowd was for the opposing team. It is a football school. However, with Bronny James there, with LeBron there courtside, regardless of what he ends up doing in terms of his career, uh, with the celebrities that are going to be courtside, it's going to be one of the hottest tickets in town. And uh, again, they, they, they built this beautiful on-campus basketball or arena a number of years ago. Generally speaking, nobody goes to games or it's half empty. That won't be the case that this season. So whether it's the Coliseum being packed again, whether it's Galen Center being packed, you know, having USC be the center of the college football and college hoops world, it's a fantastic time. And we'll see who uh, leads that program. But uh, listen, we can kind of touch on that. We, we will. We'll touch on USC. We'll touch on the Lakers. What happens with the upcoming NBA Finals? We'll touch on, on that, all that, and more with our good friend Grant Mona when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310 310- 400-0340. Right, let's go out to the Circus Sports guest hotline right now and join our good friend Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, you know, like I said yesterday, this guy's crying because the Celtics took a game, I, I think, know. in LA. LA's crying again. Well, you know what we talked about, Grant? Uh, Brandon and I said, well, I, we don't want the Celtics to win. I would have been very happy if they had gotten swept. However, we have some playoff basketball to watch because there was a moment there where it looked like we would have like eight or nine days without playoff hoops. At least we have a game five, potentially a game six. Do you look at it that way? But by the way, how much hope do you give the Celtics? Because here's the thing. The unique thing about being down 0-3 when you lose your first two games at home is this. When you find a way to steal game four, two of the next three are on your home floor. So really... 
again, there's no gimmies. And but by the way, the Celtics have been the worst home playoff team. I mean, they've been absolutely atrocious at home. However, if they win at home, it, this really comes down to Game Six and all the pressure being on uh, the Heat. Uh, how much do you think momentum have, has shifted here? Um, you know, I wouldn't say that the momentum shifted a lot, but it certainly has Miami now thinking about it at least. You know, when you're up 3-0, you're kind of in control. You got the confidence. You got the motivation to go out there and finish the sweep. Now you get that loss, and now it goes. It, it doesn't stay in Miami. Now it's going back to Boston. So you got to win on the road. I know, you know, like you said, Boston hasn't been that great. They've been about 500 or a little bit under that at home. But now, you know, you, you start to get those thoughts into Miami's head about, okay, now we can't lose this one. Now this one's kind of, it's not a must win, but you get that feeling in your heart that it's a kind of a must win. And, you know, a couple other things from, from last night's game that people really aren't talking about is that Kyle Lowry kind of got banged up a little bit. He hurt his groin or knee. Um, he's a big part of what they've been doing. Um, you know, he's, he's had a banged up knee for a little bit. And Gabe Vincent sprained his ankle. I don't know if he's going to be... I don't think he'll be out, but I don't think he's going to be 100% either. And those two guys are very critical to what they do. Now, the other thing is that Tyler Hero has been cleared for basketball activities. That doesn't mean that he's you know going to come back next game. But if it gets to a game seven, do you maybe kind of speed up the process if you need a, a scorer? I don't know if Miami thinks that. Um, I think Miami's kind of in finals mode right now in terms of Tyler Hero. But at least right now, it's giving... You know, it's given Miami a little bit to think about as opposed to, uh, you know, going for the sweep. Now you go back to Boston, Miami. I mean, it looks like Boston found something in terms of energy, in terms of how they played last night. They played with a lot of defensive intensity, something that we haven't seen from them um, in a little bit, even in game six and seven um, against Philly. Um, you know, the, the defense wasn't as crisp, I think, as it was last game. So, Look, I'm not. I'm not going to say that Boston's going to win the series, but I think that they will win Game Five, in my opinion. I think they'll win Game Five, go back to Miami for six. Really, um, I, I just want to say we said the same thing about Rui on Jokic when the Celtics <laughs> found That's something, true. and Miami was smiling, and we were smiling after that Game One loss, and we were like, "Oh, we're going to win this series five. We were dead wrong. Celtics are not going to win this series. Uh, you know, it's. For me, it's like when you have a, a killer like Jimmy Butler there and they miss so many shots down the stretch, I, I think he, they're just going to be much more prepared in game five. I, I do think, Grant, I, I don't disagree. I think the Celtics could very well win game five, but I don't think they win game six in Miami again. Without, with those stakes on the road, I know they did last year in game seven. For me, it just seems too tall of a task for an inexperienced coach in Joe Missoula. I know, you know, Adoka is a much better coach. He, he was able to rise to the occasion, get him to the finals last year. I don't think Missoula makes enough adjustments. I feel like that was more on the players actually hitting shots. Like they actually looked like the Celtics yesterday. Will that last? You know, I don't know. I think they'll play good enough at home to make it a game. But I don't even think game six would be a game. I think the Heat yeah. would win by, by 15. And and one thing about it is that, you know, last night, the Celtics, you know, it seemed like they blew out the heat. You know, it seemed like they controlled the game the whole time. If you look at the score and if you look at like some of the scores throughout the quarters, if you go like third quarter, fourth quarter, 
the Heat weren't really down by a lot. I mean, they were down by 14, 15, but they weren't down by 22, 25 to where you'd say, oh, the Celtics completely dominated them in this game. No, they won, but this, you know, the Heat made a couple runs at the end there. Um, and even in the third quarter to cut it down to five, six, you know, even, you know, eight to 10. So it wasn't like the Celtics completely dominated. And you could say, oh, well, you know, now the Celtics look dominant. They look awesome offensively. No, the Heat still looked pretty good. You know, as bad as we can say as the Heat looked last night in terms of missing shots, in terms of their def- defense, their interior defense, they still didn't get blown out. So that's something I think that Miami can take ahead to game five. You know, and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And Brandon, you're 100% right. I, I think just because one adjustment worked, Listen, I think Joe Mazzula is not only, you know, maybe not prepared to be a head coach in this league. He's going up against, the, in my view, and I think a lot of people's opinion, the best coach in the league. You know, so I think Spoltra will take into account whatever adjustments were made. Uh, why do you guys think, and I think this is so fascinating and why I think this series could be over in five there's something about the parquet. There's something about the Celtics at home this postseason. The Sixers, and we know how bad the Sixers have been in the postseason. The Sixers won twice in Boston. The Heat have already won twice in Boston. I mean, there's something about these guys where I, I don't know whether they don't take any pride in playing at home or, or what's happening there. Yes, I think the Heat are going to win in six. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they won in five. I don't know what's happening there. Yeah, I, I think for, for Boston, it's not just the, the fans and, and that parquet, like you said, at the Garden. But I think it's just the, the vibe around the team was weird up until this last game. I mean, yeah. you had reports of Jalen Brown you know, not being happy in Boston. I don't know how true those are. You have reports of Joe Missoula not being the right pick for that team. And he's lost the locker room. And you know all these rumors swirling around about the future of this team. And I think the fans feel that when they play especially at home. I mean, if you if you go down the list of of teams that you want to face, you know, in the playoffs at their home court, I think people would want to face Boston right now. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. want to go to Denver cuz of that altitude. You don't want to right. go to LA. I mean, when the Lakers were in it, they were awesome at home. Like Boston, there was just this weird vibe of, you know, the defense chants weren't as loud as they were. Um, you know, that the, they didn't cheer as much when, when they were down. Um, it's just a weird vibe, not just with the fans in that city with the Celtics, but just the Celtics in general. I think that's, that's kind of what it points to. Yeah, and uh, something I wanted to add, too, is that I think Missoula is going to watch the town before game five. <laughs> what a, and really I think, quick, <laughs> explain that. He says he watches it four times a week, which, listen, I think it's a great movie. I think even once a week would be weird. Uh, he, he said, and I don't know who, who he told this to, he watches it four times a week. Yeah, I know, which is, again, great movie, one of my all-time favorites. Maybe to connect to the city of Boston, because he's lacking disconnect and find different, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's a great movie. It's a Bostonian film, you know, takes place in Boston. Obviously, those are there are those cool scenes at Fenway Park. Um, I, I, I don't know, but in all seriousness, I think Missoula is a decent coach. I don't think he's a great coach, and I think what they need for a team like this is a great coach. And I think either way, I think the Celtics do lose the series. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they pull off the first 3-0 comeback and Laker fans are extra depressed that the Celtics exactly. have a chance to win the championship. That would be so 
So that would be just the worst if they come back and win it all. And then they have 18 oh, no, rings and we're just a, oh. come on. I don't want to see it. Come on, come on, come on. But uh, in all seriousness, they have a chance. They have Jason Tatum. He looked really good yesterday. Grant can attest to that. Tatum has these games. I don't think Tatum will be as good in game five. And I think that's where the Heat need to exploit him. He takes days off like Anthony Davis. Tell me this. I mean, because post game three, which they got blown out by the Heat, and he's making these comments, hinting that he may have lost the locker room or lost the team or, or whatnot. I really believe when you looked at the coaches available in terms of Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, Doc Rivers, I mean, you, you go down the list of coaches available that if he would have, if the, if the Celtics would have gotten blown out in game four and they would have gotten swept by the eight-seeded Heat, I think he loses his job. Let's play this out. I don't think you can fire a coach who takes you back to the finals and is the first coach in, you know, league history to come back from a 0-3 hole. However, if this series just goes six, let's just say it goes six and they lose a really good uh, game six, D did Joe Mazzula save his job by winning one or two more games? No, no, no. Wow. I, I, okay. I fired. Yeah, okay. I think I think the issues are are more deep rooted into yeah. the system and the the play style that he runs. Really quick, do you guys agree with me that if 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 the Celtics at least come back and win this series but lose in the finals, will Joe Mazzula come back? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's why Darvin Ham's job is safe. He got to the West Finals. He's not getting fired. All the Lakers fans on Twitter are like, "We need a better coach." Like, what? What do you mean, dude? Like, we didn't even make the playoffs last year. I know he exactly. didn't make great adjustments in the in the West Finals, but he made good enough adjustments to beat the best coach in basketball, arguably, in Steve Kerr in the previous round. Yeah. So great. I mean, I, I, you you were about to touch on it, and you're one hundred percent right. It's a lot deeper than a game or two. I mean, I think. If there's a feeling that he's lost this team or this locker room, I do think you have to make a coaching change. Yeah, you know, I was going to bring up the fact that you know you can you can point to it being a first-time head coach, but Darvin Ham was a first-time head coach. But there's a stark difference between Darvin Ham and Joe Mazzulla. Yeah. Joe Mazzulla was not even a front-row guy; he was a guy that was behind the scenes yeah. mostly. Darvin Ham was basically Mike Budenholzer's defensive specialist yeah. coach. You know, he was right on the front line. So. You know, you can tell that experience when you look at the both of them in terms of handling a locker room and handling a team. You know, I think, like I was going to say, that the issues are more deep-rooted than just, oh, we lost in the conference finals, we got swept, whatever it may be. I think it's more play style, what adapts to that roster more. I just think that his coaching style adapts to more of an offensive-centric as opposed to when Ime Udoka was a coach, it's more defensive-centric. You know, you got wings, you got Marcus Smart, more of a defensive team. I know they're great offensively, but I think that that's what they kind of need in terms of what the Celtics roster needs. They need a defensive coach, a guy that will get them engaged there because they're always going to score. The Celtics are going to score with the best of them. They need a defensive mind. And Joe Mazzulla just, you know, he isn't that. I'm, gonna, cause I'm not going to say it wasn't, but he isn't that. So, um, yeah, I just think that, you know, it, it's more deep-rooted than, okay, we just we, we lost in five to the Heat. It's, it's more of play style and coaching style. Guys, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. According to Shams, Doc Rivers is a finalist for the Phoenix Suns head coaching job. By the way, Doc would love Phoenix. A lot of great golf courses. Golf courses. We know how much we know how much Doc loves to play golf. So listen, he would love that. 
However, two thoughts here. Number one, I, I forget how it closed. I, I don't know how close Chris, Paul, and Doc were at the end of their time with the Clippers. I don't know if it was great. However, beyond that, if you're a Suns fan, here's the problem with Doc, because when Doc was with the Celtics, obviously he led them to uh, two finals, won a championship. He is he, he he's great there. When he came to the Clippers, he was thought of as the as the missing piece. He's coming from the Celtics, where again he led them to two finals, won a championship. It was with the Clippers that this narrative began. Again, it began with the Orlando Magic, a little a little bit with the Celtics as well, but now it's totally full fledged in terms of a guy who's lost ten. Game seven, seven times he's lost a 3-1 or 3-2 series lead. Grant, as someone who um, saw firsthand when he was with the Clippers, I mean, if you're a Suns fan, are you? would you be happy that they fired Monty Williams to hire Doc Rivers? No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, I, I know I kind of have a little bit of clipper bias there, but, you know, I know the game and I know basketball enough to know kind of what the Phoenix Suns need. And I can guarantee you it's not Doc Rivers. Um, I, I think they should go for, you know, at least Mike Budenholzer, um, you know, Nick Nurt. I, I think all of the other candidates, yeah, even right. if you, you pick within, you know, if you go to Kevin Young, their, their assistant, you know, he knows the system, he knows the players. Um, I just think that Doc Rivers at this point in his career is not suited for handling a super team. I mean, we've mentioned this on shows in the past is that he's better when he has a team that's not as good. And the Suns are in win now mode. They're in a super team building mode right now. They're not really in a, uh, a mode where you can just tinker and test. Um, you need a guy that's proven to get there like Nick Nurse recently, not a guy that's been there in 2008, not a guy that's you know, had his, his failures to get past an elimination game. And if you look at the Suns, they've had trouble in elimination games in the second yeah. round two years in a row. I don't think you need to bring in a guy like Doc Rivers who hasn't been proven to do that to help this team. Brandon, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think Doc Rivers, look, a perfect situation for him is not with a super team. It's with a team like the Magic, a team I, that is yeah. fine just getting to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like, because he's great regular season coach. He's great at handling players, developing guys throughout the season, but he's a terrible in-game manager in big games. So if you're fine with losing in the playoffs but getting there, taking that next step, he's a good coach for the Magic. And he's a nice guy, and players like him and respect him. So, I mean, that that means a lot. can't just have some buffoon come in and coach, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where – uh, you know, you have KD, you have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, it's championship or bust. And I think you're 100% right. I mean, bringing in a coach who, again, he was thought of, and this is where they, they, they were wrong. I mean, you know, Doc is the, is the missing piece at that point. You know, they had gone to the second round. They just couldn't get over the hump. Well, the fact of the matter is Doc didn't get him over the hump. Same thing with the Sixers. They haven't even gotten to the conference finals. And so um, I, I, I know Doc has a championship ring to his name. So does Mike Budenholzer. So does Frank Vogel. So does Nick Nurse. I would side with those guys just because you don't have to answer the question of this guy can't win a game seven. What the heck are you talking about? This guy can't hold a 3-1 or 3-2 series lead. And it's happened time and time again. It's not a small sample size, by the way. It's happened a ton. 
real quick, uh, Grant, just because you love puck, you love hockey like I do, Vegas Golden Knights, dominating performance, 4 nothing against the Stars. Again, two close um, home wins came back in those games and won and absolutely dominated Dallas to the point that they were throwing debris and food and garbage on the <laughs> ice. Um, there was basically like no fans by the time the game was over. Vegas Golden Knights now one win away from returning to the, to the Stanley Cup Finals. They are the favorite right now to win the whole thing. Your thoughts on VGK? I just think uh, it's going to be an awesome Stanley Cup final if the Panthers get there too. Um, I think the Panthers and the Golden Knights, it would be kind of this like underdog story. I know the, the Knights were pretty good in the regular season. They've been good, but it's kind of this underdog story of the eight seed going against, you know, a top team in, in the Golden Knights. And the Golden Knights have proven that they, you know, I said this before, I don't know if it was last week or the show before, where I said that this is a better matchup for the Knights with the Stars than it was with Edmonton. I thought Edmonton was a better team. And, you know, the, the Golden Knights have dismantled the Stars so far. Um, I'm really excited for them. Uh, I really want that first championship in Vegas. I think Vegas deserves a hockey title. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited for Vegas in, in general just because the A's, I know you just mentioned this on, on yeah. Twitter, that they signed a deal to to bring a stadium there and everything. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting for Vegas. I, I've always wanted teams to be in Vegas and for the Knights to to be this dominant looking going into the final. I think it bodes well for them. By the way, you know, I mean, they've, had this run since 2016 of, you know, building arenas and stadiums and attracting these professional teams. The one thing that you can't, um, you can't buy is success. And what they have is success. The uh, Aces are the defending WNBA champions, but they're also a super team. They, they won uh, the first game of the season against Seattle by 40 points. Uh, they are favored uh, right now, according to Vegas, to repeat, and now the Vegas Golden Knights are favored in Vegas. Uh, one win away again from the Stanley Cup final, but they are favored to hoist their first ever Stanley Cup. Again, you can build the stadiums, you can attract the team, you can't buy success, and they really have done that. So uh, what that city is going to be like if the Vegas Golden Knights finally do win a Stanley Cup championship and have a parade down the strip, uh, Really, the, the connection between that team and the community because of what uh, the, the team meant in that community following the shooting in October 1st uh, is, is really powerful. And I, I think you'll see a parade down the strip that we've never seen anything like that before. So, again, it's not over. One win away from the Stanley Cup final, and then uh, they have to find a way to actually finish the job again. When they got there a few years ago, they lost to Washington uh, but yeah, it's going to be a, a fantastic Stanley Cup final, like you said, Grant. Um, we'll we'll be uh, tracking it the entire way. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V. 
on YouTube.